your biggest song? I was looking on Spotify. You got 25 million. Oh, uh, 25 it's million called, Something like that. I don't, I, just, yeah, I, don't, I don't go. I'm, I'll, I'll, people will tell me. I'll, I'll brag for you. He's we'll got a song with 25 million views. Where's my money? Streams. Spotify. Could have avoided all this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Redemption Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. I think I say that for for every guest that they're very special, but they're they are special. they are very level. special. My mom loves me, right? Uh, my buddy, Mister Bart Crow, Mister uh, International Recording Recording Artist Extraordinaire, singer songwriter. Um, I've known Bart probably a little bit over a year now or yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Um, we just met each other through happenstance at the at the gym one day. I remember I was walking out with a client of mine and. Uh, you were walking out. I don't believe we had talked yet. And uh-huh. uh, he's like, dude, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. And he's like, that's Bart Crow. And I was like, who? And then oh. I, then I gotcha. got, to, then I got to know you a little bit and learned a little bit, a bit about more, a little bit more about who you are and everything like that. And then it was, uh, it was amazing to find out we have quite a bit of common ground yeah. um, in both of our stories. So yep. very excited to have you on today, man. Thanks for the invite. Dude, thank you. Glad everybody else was busy. Right? Nah. <laughs> thank you for taking the time. Of course. Do you just, for those who don't know you, do you just want to introduce yourself and maybe uh, talk about your story a little bit? Um, My name is Bart Crow. I was raised in Maypearl, Texas. Not that anybody needs to know that, but uh, I live in Austin. Austin's been home for about 17 years, and I play music. I've been in, I've had a band for 20 years. We were talking earlier, I don't remember because I didn't do the counting, but eight or nine records. Uh, for anybody that is interested, anywhere music sold, streamed, etc., it's all out there, or it's supposed to be. Let me know if you can't find it because I got some people to talk to. Right? No, so, I, was, um, I was I was checking out on Spotify. You got, got the, you yeah, got the, it's there. You got the blue check mark and everything. Really? Yeah. What was that? It's your official. Oh, I don't know. I don't have, have a, it. I don't have a blue check mark. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Good to know that I have one. Yeah. I don't uh, listen to myself on Spotify too much. Gotcha. Too much. Gotcha. Got to bump those numbers up sometimes. Um, No, I I forgot about that client because also he worked at my management company. Oh, that's what it was. So that was like real small world. Right. But uh, when we first met, and I'm confessing my sins, so I was new to the gym or new for my 50th go around of, of starting. And just, I'm like everybody. Might not talk it, but, you know, gyms are intimidating. Right. So I just put on the AirPods and stay in my bubble and just do. And it's like, gosh, look at that beast. Because I'd seen you around a lot. And I used to have a roommate in college who, as my 12-year-old says, was yoked Mm -hmm. as yourself. And Kyle, I would always give him a hard time because I worked at the gym. I took IDs, but he would work out at the gym. Gotcha. And, uh... But I never saw him lift weights. I never saw him do anything. He just walked around and talked all the time. Really? So I would, like, like bust his balls and give him a hard time. So the the jerk in me thought that's what you were doing. I'm like, how is he so big? I, he doesn't lift anything. And that was it. And my son and I were at the table one day, and you were getting coffee, and I had a question. And I'm like, obviously he knows what he's doing. Right. And then that's where we met. That's and then right. I had mentioned that, and that was my – Let's just round it up to a thousandth attempt at okay. complete sobriety. 
And um, I just, I somewhere in our conversation, it felt very easy, and I was just like, yeah, I'm kind of on this sober journey and trying to get some things in order. And then you were like, well, I'm in recovery, and it was just like boom. And I didn't say anything; I was kind of frozen, yeah, because I'm like. Here I was, didn't have any negative thoughts, but like, look at this guy. He's just so big, but all he does is hang out. Right. And then that was an instant connection because I remember I froze in our conversation ended. I went and sat down. You went and sat down. I think you were waiting for another client. Yeah. And then just it compelled me to get up, and I went back over there and just told you. I And I was like, thanks for what you do because you were telling me that your clients are in recovery. Right. And that's what you do. And I was like, that is beautiful. And then told you uh, – you know, my mother's in recovery and my best friend's in recovery. And I think what you're doing is beautiful. And I'm glad that I came over and said, what's up? And then right. that established us to now. Yeah. And I still think it's amazing. I think your story is amazing. And then what you do to help others, that's just incredible. Yeah. Dude, so I didn't. Big props. Thank you. I didn't know. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, just how, you know, I get how God works, how the universe works or whatever like that. But right. Fitness played such an important part in me getting sober and staying sober and completely transforming my life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was lucky there for a couple of years to start working with other addicts and getting them to channel all that energy that, you know, we used to put in, into getting high and getting drunk every day and channel it into something healthy like the gym. Yeah. And it's something where you can actually, I watch it transform people. You know what I mean? I, I watch it make a difference in people and that's why mm-hmm. I believe in it. So wholeheartedly and so that's you know just the first times that we were talking or whatever i could have never imagined that we would kind of align like that right and Same then just, here. and just the more i got to know you and just you know what i mean like bro just you you've always had great energy always always awesome to talk to and stuff like that so it's been an honor well thanks man i appreciate it um yeah so you know my mother like i said is in recovery she never drank till she was well into her 30s and never drank much at all but something ha- well she comes from her her family on her side um struggle with addiction uh-huh. and her mother and a couple of her brothers i believe and so it's there then the crow side everybody's just stone cold cowboys like mm-hmm. they just drink some beer and go to work yeah or vice versa right. and so uh until i came along right and then um so you know let me back up. So my mother kind of really spiraled out of control, and we started realizing like just um, verbal dis- different, just physical differences and all this. But my dad is just, just go, 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 doesn't see all this happening. But from afar, my brother, sister, and I can. And Anyway, the, the short of it is, you know, her mother passed away. She didn't really handle that well. And I, and I get it. She's very close. And, and – um, she was the only daughter, so even closer, and um, just started doctor shopping. And definitely, I mean, we don't talk about it anymore just because we're too busy just living mm-hmm. and and being a mom and son relationship, which we always had. It's never, it's never been. She never went. She went that far, but in the comfort of her home and being, yeah. you know, retired and and my dad. They're, they're doing well. They've mm-hmm. worked hard for a long time. And so um, her whole thing was, I'm not doing anything wrong because the doctors gave me these. Until we found out. I'm like, yeah, but you have 10 doctors. Right. And so just talking to her was like talking to that wall. And um, 
then somewhere she just started like boozing on top of it, which I get because I I did the same thing when we get to my part, but um, she just can't handle the booze. I mean, addicts can't. Right. But we didn't. This was all when it was coming to fruition, and then um, you know I don't know how much she wants me to disclose, so I'll, I'll just say it just got really 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 bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a uh, Christmas morning. I'm carrying her to the car to go to the emergency room. Right. And this is a woman, I guess that was probably 50. So let's say 55, 56s. And um, just never, I don't know. It was just like shock, shell shock for all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I was bitter, real bitter. And then she went to um, rehab in Tucson mm-hmm. at Sierra Tucson. Small world. And, um, Got a song for you that I wrote about it. And so I, I didn't care to be there. We went on family week, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go. I didn't care. Um, I was an asshole. I was a real asshole. I've apologized to her immensely right. for it. But I was just a, a jerk. Not to her face, but about the whole situation. Yeah. You know, just don't pull in the gas station. Just don't go buy it. You know, little did I know. So I got there with my arrogance and, and pissy attitude. And it's like, what, what the hell are we doing here? Like, oh, why, are, why are the crows? Why are we here? Yeah. So finally going through the family week and being taught and listening to these classes. And I was, you know, even at best, probably 50% checked out the whole time. But I, uh, but I did learn a lot. And it, it didn't really stick and process till you know, months, if not years later, what I learned from out there because mm-hmm. I was listening. I just wasn't involved. Right. Wasn't going to sit in a circle. Wasn't going to, you know, do the, this, I just wasn't Yeah. right or wrong. I just wasn't. And, um, dude, it's, it's not, not to cut you off, no, please but do. Cause dude, I can go all day. No, it's, <laughs> it's tough for families. You know, I, I talk about it on the podcast all the time. It's something I <clears> talk <throat> about me. with clients every day and stuff like that. And so like, you know, you obviously at that time weren't struggling yet. You know, you had your you right. had your shit under control, and so it's it's so foreign for somebody that's living a you know normal life without addiction or alcoholism to to understand. And it, it seems like it would be that easy to just be like, "Hey, don't stop by the store and get that. Right. Don't go to the doctor again." Yeah, like these all seem like very simple ideas. And dude, it's you know, there's I don't like quoting AA terms much, but it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know what I mean? Like it, it, is. it comes up on us. We don't understand that it is. And I'm sure even in your, you know, your, your mother probably knew that once she got to doctor number 10, like I probably shouldn't be doing this, but it's easy for an addict to rationalize. Like I'm getting this from the fucking doctor. Yeah, like why is this a hundred percent? Yeah. And, and they believe it. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a hard thing to deal with. So yeah, and it was, and, um, just, you know, I hadn't dealt with alcohol. Well, by this time, I'd already went through my 20s, so I did more meth and blow than you could shake a stick at, as they say. Right. But I was always, this is going to sound real counterintuitive, but I was always under control. Like, I made a conscious decision that I'm putting this in my body. Right. And no matter if I sleep tonight or not, I'm going to work tomorrow. Yeah. And I did. I never, I was kind of like a closet doper, is what I call myself. Could you could you manage the decision whether you were going to do it the next day? I waited till the next day. I just didn't think past my nose. I was in my twenties. I was single. Right, but I'm and saying like, so when you woke up that, would, were you doing it every day, or it would just it be a just, once in a while thing? Uh, spurt, no, it was kind of a 
there all the time. There may be a week or two and couldn't find any, but it was kind of around gotcha. all the time. But again, conscious decision or, yeah. Hey, um, not going to buy any dope this week, Thursday. Like, Hey, you can be around tomorrow. I'll swing by on the way home from work. Yeah. You know, so just kind of everything weekend warrior to doing it at work, to, mm-hmm. but I own my own company. So it was just like, you know, no I'm re- not going to give myself a drug test. No, no repercussions. Exactly. Gotcha. So, uh, and then I literally just woke up one day. I'm like, man, it'd break my mother's heart if she knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I just quit. Just never did it again. Right. And um, even then, it was kind of like, even doing it and having fun. It's like, shouldn't be doing this. But, and then I just quit. And that was that. And um, so then fast forward 10 years. So I'm sitting there and just like, I got off some shit that will hook, you know, hook you and take you to the depths of hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't mean to, gl- I'm not glorifying anything about drugs, but. You're saying you got some really pure dope is what you're saying? It was pretty clean stuff. Right. It was from old, older people than me mm-hmm. who would go in the woods and cook it. Yeah. And I started then slowly, like someone I heard of or knew got busted for going to buy a shit ton of batteries. Or got arrested because they uh, Sudafed shopped. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, I don't want anything to do with that. This is all just a bunch of cowboys and people kind of on the DL. Right. And that was another thing that I was really good about. And I'm again, I'm not saying I'm okay with it. Like, I have PTSD from that. Like, any supplement, any type of medication, any drink that gives me that methy or blow feeling, yeah. I, I go into lockdown. Right, just like, and um, I call I call it cracked out. I don't I don't ever want to feel cracked out again. Yeah, like, and, and anything that makes me feel that way, it's just like I don't talk. Mm-hmm. I get internal. Yep, and it, my whole it's like the marquee in my brain is like I hate this feeling. I hate this feeling. I hate this feeling, and I can't shake it until whatever it is goes away. Right, and so back to my mom and and, and me being young and and. Not naive, ignorant, just ignorant meaning like didn't learn, didn't know. Yeah. And I was like, I walked away from that and you can't just not pull in a gas station mm-hmm. or you can't just realize like 10 doctors may not be in my best interest. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wrote a bunch of songs that week in class, which I've learned two weeks ago from uh, uh, the Rick Rubin book that... Um, I have a distorted creativity. So when there's like white noise or background noise, I can kind of internalize and right. right. Which makes sense. I know I'm getting off topic here, but it makes sense because my first record I wrote when I very first started, I wrote all in college in classes. I wouldn't write at home. And I didn't mean to not write at home. I just could never make myself sit down and focus because I didn't know how to write songs. Yeah. But I'd be in a lot of my marketing classes and just. Right. It's probably why I had to retake a couple of those classes. Yeah. <laughs> So back to my mother, um, I learned a lot in Tucson and we come home and of course she relapses, you know, in some time and then again, but it's not alcohol anymore. And in her mind, it's like, well, I don't drink, I don't have a drinking problem. And it's like, oh fuck, but you're taking this many pills a day. Mm-hmm. I, and I even told her, I said, I'm no uh, scientist, but I don't even know that your body and your liver and your stomach can process all that many pills in right. one day, which... Maybe it can. I don't know. So well, usually there's so much Tylenol and shit like that that it fucking kills your liver. And I'm just like, dude. So 
she finally, I don't know how many years this was of back and forth, but, you know, got through it. She's been in recovery 10 or 11 years now. Let's go. And um, she's cool, man. I mean, she's the spitfire that I always knew. She's just not the space cadet that she became. Yeah. And she's walking. (laughs) Not too tight with God because you can't be. But you don't really have to tell everybody every day on Facebook yeah. that you're at church again. And this, right. I just tease my mother on that. Right. She can do whatever the hell she wants. Right. I, but I tease her, but I'm just, that's just my nature. Yeah, I got She you. loves it. And well, you know what? If one person reads it, I just, you got it. You got me, mom. You right. So she did it. And I love her. And she's badass. And, and she's, um, she keeps everything out front and, and stays tight with God. So that was my mother's misadventure and I've always been a beer drinker and then when I uh, started touring a lot started getting fat tur and so I switched to vodka soda and that became my drink and it was because fine it, because for, it was healthier yes healthier right. gotcha and uh, and that just in a matter of I don't know I'd say a decade or more it kind of spiraled a little out of control and not, I'd say maybe even 15 years. I don't know. Man. I think I just dropped my guard. And I went. we went through, uh, I released a record and it didn't do so hot. And I went through some financial disasters from that because the record before was great. So we had invested back and now I own a tour bus. I have 11 people working for me. We're doing, you know, 200 shows a year. And then I released another record that cost a lot of money, and I put a big team behind it that was costing a lot of money, and it just didn't hit. But I had all these expenses going out, mm-hmm. and then it was just like, and I'd never experienced that before. In, in the music industry, when you're saying a record, are you talking about an entire album, or are you yes, talking about a song? this blue one that I love was the one that put me in the poorhouse. Gotcha. And so when, <coughs> but do me. artists use the, the term record for both? Like when they say record, are they talking about an entire album or because I've heard them say record and it seems like they're only talking about a song. No, I, well, I don't know what the lingo is cause I'm not cool, but <laughs> when I say record, I mean like full product. Record. Like, okay, a, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I guess for me, if I really had to slow and think about it, when I say record, I mean everything from the studio cost, the musician cost, the mastering, like every, the financial side of everything that went into making this product. Gotcha. 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 And then okay. my end product is. You know, not a microphone or a. I didn't invent the chapstick. Mm-hmm. I invented this art and put it out, yeah. and it just didn't connect with the masses. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, I mean, I went from making like from start from start to current, you know, three thousand dollar record to an eight thousand dollar record mm-hmm. to twenty thousand, and then blah 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 blah. And this one with um, the marketing team, the publicist. The making the record, the distribution, the everything. It was probably about 80 grand in it of my own money. I don't right. have a record deal. And, you know, bus is expensive, payroll is expensive, insurance is expensive. And then when the tickets to sales start declining, it's like, uh oh. And then you go through that, in hindsight, denial, but in the moment, well, you know, everybody, there's peaks and valleys. Right. It'll come back. It'll come back. And it just wasn't coming back. Mm hmm. So in this three-year period, I go from being able to make a living and pay for, you know, life 
and a business and tour to working two jobs plus music and needing to be creative and needing to smile and needing to be grateful and appreciative. And the thing with art, it's not grateful and appreciative like I appreciate you having me. Mm-hmm. It's more like I appreciate what you do. Like it's a it's a love. It's a deep thing. Yeah. And I hated it. I was so – it was just like my mom thing. She let me down. And that's not cool. And I'm right. not okay with that. <clears throat> so, you, so you basically become resentful with – of music. Music. Of music, period. Um, even mad at God. Like, why now? Why would I have three children, a mortgage and health insurance and a wife and a vehicle? You know, the American dream, if mm-hmm. you know, the blue collar dream for me. And, you know, why now? Why couldn't this have failed when it was just Brooke and I? Yeah. And I wasn't so far removed from college and I could use my degrees and go get a stable, good job, which would have we would be still having this conversation. Yeah. I just wouldn't be a musician. Right. And um, bitter, just a bitter, what I say, call myself, it was my, um, I say my dark phase, but I also call it my wet blanket phase because that's all I was. Right. And so I started drinking because I, uh, more, I started drinking during the day because I could forget about it. Mm-hmm. I was doing pest control, so I was all by myself, had my own truck. Like a buddy of mine owns a, a huge business in Waxhatchee, and so we went into kind of a semi-partnership. So I basically opened a branch in Austin. And uh, I can function. I'm a high-functioning alcoholic at this time, not knowing it. I just thought I was just, you know, I'm a soldier. Right. You know, and so, um, you know, just grabbing a a cheap box of wine or a little four-pack at 11 and then float through the next few hours and spray spray houses and buildings and do all that and go home. I'd forget. It, I, at least in the moment, it'd just be music. You know, I'd be jamming to some, even though I, I hated my music and being in music. And um, and now I could th- forget about how terrible things just, were. Just to be clear, at this time, you would put down the meth and the coke. Oh, yeah. That was in my 20s. I'm all sorry. Right. So, 86, 96. So that meth was probably like 98 to 01 phase. Yeah. And so what I'm talking about at this time when I'm getting out of control is 15, 2015, 16, okay. somewhere in there. Gotcha. 17 maybe. I think 16. Um, and so now are you thinking at that time because it's just alcohol and you're not putting anything up your nose or anything like that that everything's okay? Yeah. I just, because I'm by myself. Yeah. I'm not hurting anybody. Right. I mean, even though I'm, Never, I, I wouldn't get drunk, mm-hmm. but I'd have drinks yeah. and then I'd go to work. But I'm still behind the wheel. I mean, it's all still right. all dumb. But um, no, it's just because my my brain being a hundred percent un not by choice Virgo would just constantly think mm-hmm. when I lay in bed at night how broke we were. When's it going to turn? What if it doesn't turn around? What am I going to do? Double college major with no job skill other than everything I did before the military between college stints. And, you know, I've been a musician for 12 years. Right. And um, (coughs) just like, how am I going to provide for my family? It was a weight of the world is what it was. You know, um, we had young children, my wife, stay-at-home mom, triple degree major artist but 
she's raising babies and I'm the man. I got to take care of stuff. Right. And um, just the way I was raised and where I come from, you know, I wasn't going to ask her. I mean, she she still had art gigs and stuff. I'm not throwing her under the bus by any stretch. But I'm the man of the house and I'm the one that kind of steered this whole ship and where we are. Yeah. And then that weight of I failed us, I failed me, I failed the fans, I failed art, I failed music. And it was just this constant echoing chamber in my head of just like, you suck, you suck, you suck, we're broke, we're broke. And then that gave me a writer's block just because I didn't want to fucking write about anything. Mm -hmm. I hated everything. You know, I'd be like the wedding singer when he just goes down the path. And I just, for 18 months, I didn't write a song. And uh, still were performing, but for lots less money. Which, which, which then probably makes you go even more resentful, right? Oh my God, yes. Yeah, you know, go somewhere where we had a thousand people last time and 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 did well to going back to a hundred and fifty. You know, some vanity in there. Mm-hmm. Going from a tour bus, now I'm in a passenger van again. That was short lived. It was. It, I didn't really dwell on that because there were more major things at stake. Like seriously, finance. Can I make the mortgage? Yeah. And not that I was ever, uh, what do they call it, uh, sitting on stacks, but we were a comfortable family. Yeah, we don't blow and go. We're very minimal family, but like I said, we had a house, we have a vehicle, two cars, stresses. Yes, and um, it sucked, man. It sucked. I didn't know how to deal with it because I'd never, I've never slidden backwards. I've been independent since I was eighteen. I went to the army, obviously guaranteed. Paycheck. Mm-hmm. I got out, went to college for a year, then I started my own landscape business. And so, always just was too young to put money back and like I'm growing, I'm mm-hmm. just living and then everything's good. Yeah. And then I start playing music, graduate college. My whole uh, life plan was get a real job, keep playing music, and whichever one outweighs the other first, that's the direction I'll go. Which in my older, more mature days, I kind of look at it like, you know, it's all God's plan. So wherever God wanted me to go. But that was just my thing. Like, I would always do this. Like, real job, music, whichever goes this way, that's the direction I'll follow. Right. So it's it's never, I've never had a career like this, but it's always kind of just been steady. Right. And then when it back, when it dropped, I just had never experienced that. And at this point, you know, like say all those stressors, assets, things we had grown and accomplished, and I'm just like, I'm failing, and I have no life preserver. Right. Like, what What do I do? You know, 12 years removed from doing work, I can still run a welding bead. I can still, you know, I guess spray houses. And so... You can, but you don't want to. I, well, I definitely didn't want to. Right. But at this point, it's one of those, this is an option of what you yeah. want to do there, big boy. You, you've done what you wanted to do. Right. Now we have to do. So you know, what? and it's tough when you're out there. I'm just going to be selfish because I'm not going to keep giving disclaimers. This is just about my selfish story. Yeah. But it's like, I'm an artist. I am a musician. This is what God called me to do. This is who I am. And I hate it. I don't want anything to do with it until it's 107 degrees and I'm putting on a, a bibs to crawl under a house to spray. Deathly terrified of snakes, number one. So screw going under a house, period. I hear you. I don't care about varmints, spiders, bugs. I don't bother me. Snakes, though, 
the devil serpents. And I hear you. And so um, then the bitterness would come back. Like, I shouldn't be out here doing this. I should be in a studio somewhere. Or I should be uh, at with another person writing a song. I should I should be doing this other thing that I failed at. Mm-hmm. And um, so it just, all this self-hatred and loathing and and... Again, so back to the little box of wine or the four pack, you know, slam them real quick in the parking lot uh, in my stupid brain, throw out the evidence, and I just don't sit there and dwell on it. I give myself a break. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. And it started like one a day. And then over a period of five years, I looked up and it was like five or six years of doing this shit. It went from doing that here and there to doing it a couple times a week. To fast forward two years, three years later, it was daily. Mm-hmm. And it got to where, you know, there were days that, you know, it was an all-day event. If I was leaving the house and, and being on the road, you know, we might stop in um, um, Lampasas, you know, 45 minutes down the road. Like, so you're oh. back, are you back into music at this yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. Well, I always play, I kept playing, right. but it wasn't my... Um, it couldn't sustain our life. Yeah, it couldn't sustain just living. And uh, when don't not to not no, to cut you off again. At, at what point your your biggest song? I was looking on Spotify. You got twenty five million. Uh, twenty five million soon. Yeah, something like that. I don't. I just tell you, I don't, I don't go. I'll, I'll, people will tell me. I'll, I'll brag for you. He's well, got a song you. with twenty five million views. Where's my money, Streams. Spotify? Could have avoided all this. All right. <laughs> so had that song, had you already done that song? I had. Okay. So but that was so that was the song that took you up there. That's and been the to, foundation of my career at that right. song. So that's what got you the, the tour bus and like, you're like, all right, this is well, what's. Well, actually, no. The, the, this record, Dandelion, is the one that like we were kept climbing, kept climbing. And that record came out and it was like, poof. Oh, Double okay. step. Gotcha. No, Where Marine came out in 06. Okay. And then by 09, it became kind of what it is, a staple. Mm-hmm. I remember we would, some nights we wouldn't even play the song. Some nights it'd be in the middle of the set. And then it just kind of organically, which makes me love the song. Yeah. Or love what the song has become. And what the wonderful fans and people have made it into. So now, so now I would imagine you play a gig and you don't play that song. People are going to be yelling at you. Oh, man, I'll get tomatoes. Well, did I throw tomatoes? I get beer cans, bottles, and and MF'd all over social media if I did that. Really? But I don't right. because, you know, pay attention to your audience. It's mm-hmm. the people who buy the tickets and work hard to come out and spend their time with you. So Is he close enough to the microphone? That um, That's definitely been the foundation of my career to allow me to keep going and be creative and do things. And, and there are other songs that resonate with people. But for some reason, it just didn't catch and... and Put too many irons in the fire, maybe grew a little faster than I should. And I always prided myself on not keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. But like the tour bus situation, the van I had with 300,000 miles on it, I either needed to get a new one. I'd had, at this time, one neck surgery and two back surgeries. And my father-in-law was like, I think it's dumb to go get another, you know, $40,000 vehicle. Why don't we go in partners? Let's get a bus. You know, the money's sustainable. And we'll go do this. And it was for about two and a half years. It was mm-hmm. like everything was good. Yeah. Or two years. And then it just kind of depleted. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so the the drinking thing, just like at least I could quit thinking about it for a little bit. Then, um, like before that, I threw these back surgeries. I 
I had tossed back some pills over the years, you know, just one-offs here and there. But obviously hydrocodone for the pain and then to a pain management, and it was like 90 pills a month by the book, except on the weekends. Right. Then by the book, then except on the weekends. And then it was like, ooh, you know what's even better than eating, not swallowing, eating two of these yellow tins Mm -hmm. is eating these yellow tins and a bottle of red wine. (coughs) Bless you. (coughs) I get what you're saying. And then it just became, you know, then the tolerance came, like any other story, the tolerance came, so more. Mm -hmm. But I always have had this, God gave me this stomach governor, because I can only go so far. And then my stomach will just, like, fire pit, hurt so bad. And that's done with these pills for a while. And then the mind forgets like that. Yeah. And then you're right back. But then um, I got tired of the pain management clinic because they would have pass them, out, pass them out like that. Yeah. But make you feel like a piece of shit while you're there. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just a cover in their own ass kind of deal. So then it became, and even one of the people that worked at this place was like, hey, um, your last two urine tests, you, you don't have any. In your system. I'm like, well, because I took them all. It's, and I really did. I didn't give those things away or sell them. Yeah. But this person actually told me, she said, well, they're going to quit giving these to you because you have to have it in your system because then they, they think you're selling them or something. I'm like, oh, noted. So put two in the back of the drawer and then have fun with the other 88. Yeah. And then got tired of paying for that or going to that clinic. So... And where I come from, from those hard drug days, I still got old plugs yeah. that are a phone call away. So then it was like going there. And then it was just for recreation and fun mm-hmm. until it wasn't. Yeah. But like everybody else's story, I thought I'm in the driver's seat. And then until I got woken up one day by my gorgeous, amazing wife. And she's like, hey, me and the boys are going to Waxhatchee to her mom's, which they already were. She said, we're about to leave. Listen. You're not as slick as you think you are. I've already talked to you. You've already lied to me enough. You have a decision to make. We're either coming back or we're not. I'm like, whoa. Oh, shit. Fuck around. And I, I'm sure by this time, <coughs> sorry, we were in those that financial situation. I don't even think she knew the gravity of the stress that I was under. Self-inflicted as well as just economy and world. And so I was just like, all right, that's it with that. So I flushed the pills. It didn't bother me. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a, still a dirtbag. Yeah. So I like, after today, since they're leaving, and um, which I only giggle about it now, but in the moment it was like, you're a shitty person. Yeah. But again, no one's home, so no one will know. I kind of feel like shit right now. So, and I tapered off, and that was that. Um actually wrote a song called, uh, I think it's on that big record, If I Didn't Have You, within five minutes of her leaving. And it was about that. Really? Yeah, the, one of the lines, like, I don't know why I do the things I do. I don't know why the hell I put you through. And so, uh, of course, my lovely wife, she's all she has all the faith in me. So I send her that an hour later, and she didn't say anything. But by the time she got home, we were back to level and good. But I had my part to hold up, too. Yeah. And did. And then it was, uh, well, she doesn't, she not say anything about, 
she had said stuff about drinking, but it was more at night. Mm-hmm. You know, have some wine. I'd have two bottles. And then that just kind of was our thing. And then what I wasn't noticing is she was having less wine and then to no wine. And I was still going and going and going. And I honestly don't remember the whole phase, the two or three years of this being us. I remember the arguments. I remember her being heartbroken and disappointed. And it's not that I don't remember because I was blacked out. I just, the way my brain works, I fucked up. I've gotten, I've made good on it. It's over. Right. Like I've forgotten about it. And that, and I've done a lot of patch patchwork. Thank God. She's just so resilient and evidently either really loves me or since we have four boys now, she's like, I can't go anywhere. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She's but, trapped. Yes. You're I got trapped you her. now lady. Right. And so, uh, I know it's back here in her head, but I said, as far as she knows, I did what I said I was going to do, and that was that. Mm-hmm. But then fast forward a year or two, and we're about to go on a six-month trip, so I go see my old plug, and I go and buy a hundred of those, uh, call them Nikes, because mm-hmm. the yellows got the check mark on them. And, um, but we're not leaving for a week, and it's like two days, and she already knows. Yeah. And, you know, she's just having that same conversation anybody that loves you has. Same one I had with my mother. But I don't know if I'm arrogant or this is just the way it worked out. It was like, well, I'm not addicted. I'm just having fun. And I literally took 98 of those at $10 a pop and just flushed them. Really? I, that's did. I, and as soon as I did, I was like, shit, I could have sold them back. Yeah, but right. I was like, no. Because I, I talked to God. I'm like, God. I have to do this. Make me walk in there right now with not putting a couple back, not bullshitting. Like this woman is serious and she's mm-hmm. everything I've ever wanted, everything I live for, everything you planned in your big book. Don't let me fuck this up. So you took two out of the hundred mm-hmm. and she knew that you had taken some? Oh, no. I, I say two. Uh, that's two days. Gotcha. So it was probably, knowing me, I'd probably taken 10 or 12 gotcha. over the two days. Like I said, my stomach, like it would let me know like no more today, right. baby. See, that's the Tylenol. Yes. There's so much Tylenol in that shit. It'll start fucking with your stomach. Cause I was just like <clears throat> anyone else. Like, Oh, I know what I do. I need to go get, eat two Triscuit crackers. Then I'll take them. Yeah. And it won't be too much food where it kills my buzz. Right. But it'll, you know, help the old governor out. Dude, it's, fu- it's funny how our minds work. Anybody that's it's, watching this that hasn't ever experienced that, it's like it's, we find all these little, we think a, we're it's so a slick. More, it's a more uh, hyper-focused concept, yet no different than when you're younger. It's like, oh, we're going to the bar tonight. All right, better eat something first. Yeah. It's the same principle. Right. It's just hyper-focused and fucked up. Yeah. And so... um but when she said that, I just went inside and I was talking to God. And I'm like, God, tomorrow I'll get rid of them. And then it was just like, like the devil and the angel. Like, no, this do is what now. she said and this is what you want to do. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, but. And I just went, done. And that was three years ago. <coughs> right. And then, so now, back up, alcohol's still there. Alcohol's getting a little more, a little more alcohol over a period of time. And then, um, I don't know, I think she just kind of had to, dis- I, I would have, probably a disgust at me, which crushed me. 
but I'd still just be it. My thing was it started as a cat and mouse game. Like, she'll never know. Mm-hmm. Oh, she busted me. Well, I'll be slicker next time. All this dumb shit, man, that I hate myself for. And all the while, knowing I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. I'm rolling the dice. And I really, I even tell my therapist this. Out of that, the last couple years, three years, I can honestly count on one hand how many times it was like, I need to go have a drink. Like, I don't feel well. Mm-hmm. Or I really, I don't want to, but I, I do, but I don't, I do. Other than that, man, it was honestly a conscious decision every single time. Right. I probably shouldn't do this, but, you know, I'm by myself. I'm not hurting anybody. So turn the steering wheel. And then it would just, I don't know. And, and, and every single night, Lord, thank you for this great day. You know, I'm sorry I let us both down. You know, I know you're not smiling at this, but thanks for, you know, me not getting busted today. Yeah. And, and Brooke <clears throat> doesn't know any different. And even though she does, and she did. But uh, she, I mean, she, you, you're torn at this time. So oh she, 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 she had a long time. She has to know that that's what you're doing out on the road. Right. Oh yeah. And that was her whole thing. You have X number of days with your band. You're not around me or the kids or anybody. Oh, so if you're going to do it, do it then. What's your deal? Don't do it here. Yeah. Gotcha. That's where it's just kind of a cat and mouse or, or as my doctor says, like, um, I come from a lineage of this, and I'm, I don't I fight it all the time, but it's kind of like, I'm Bart. Nobody tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm the man of the house. So this is my thing. Stupid. So stupid. But, um, yeah, man, knowing it was like, I guess somewhere in there were probably like, ooh, I got away with it again. Right. You know, this is a pretty shitty way to be. Pretty shitty way to live. Even selfishly, you're better than this, dude. What the fuck are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, fuck, I'd leave the why. Drenched, coming out of the sauna, cross street. I'd leave the Y and uh, go for a walk, go across the street, come back, then sit in the sauna. Just ignorant, ignorant stuff, because I could. Yeah. And then uh, multiple times, like, all right, I'm done. You know, give me 10, 20, 30 days. Well, I've been doing good. And then boom. So the cycle was always there, but psychologically, I feel like it was – I I know I'm probably wrong, but this is what I tell myself. Even not drinking now, um, I still just did it because I wanted to. Yeah, I really course. did. Not because I needed to, not because I had to have it, because I'd go days. But when I'd turn it on, but anyway, all this led up to even the gigs and back to the vodka and sodas. You know, it's like, well, these aren't doing anything. Let's double them up. Then it was like, you know, the pre-show shot was everybody's shot, and I'll guzzle the bottle real quick and then go perform. Not perfect, but in my head. And everyone else's. Everyone else is drinking out front. Everybody's a great time, but I knew I could do better. Yeah. And then after the show, it's drinks. And then the next morning, it's hell. And it's some Tylenol. And it's a little bit of food. And then maybe it's a drink in, in the, you know, early, not early morning, late morning to just make the pain or the headaches go away or whatever, or right. sleeping all day and just being a lush dude, just yeah. a piece of shit. Dude, like get to the traveling, get to the hotel, sleep, get up right before the show, shower, dress, go play the show, drink back in bed late at night, sleep all the next day, then get home and have, you know, be whipped, no energy, uh, maybe drink at home, maybe not. It was just like, this is, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. I'll get there. I'll get there. Let me just get this out of my system. 
Dude, well, you're, you know, I'm not sure at what point I ended up kind of coming into the story, but one thing I'll tell you, always talking with you, that that was different from the people that I'm normally talking to is you were always from day one, you're, you're from what I know, you're always completely honest with me about where you're at. Like you had kind of told me if you had stumbled recently, you had told me if you were back on the horse, you know, I knew when I wouldn't see in the gym consistently, you were either touring or maybe, you know, something happened. So I was worried, but you never tried to give me like excuses or like anything like that. Like you were all, you said what it was, you know, like I fucked up for a little bit. I'm back on it now. Like, you know what I mean? And and that's, that's huge. You know what I mean? I mean, I think you're, you you told me before we started the podcast, you're at about 70 some days right now. 70 something, something. but this one's different. It's, it's so different. Well, my thing was, or is I just turned 47. I'm a grown man. Mm -hmm. If my wife knows, then I don't care who else knows. You know, most, most topics, but drinking and, and especially someone like you, been there, done that, times 10, what do I have to lie to you about? Yeah. Like, if anyone can not be judgmental and completely understand and get it and still be cool with me and still, you know, appreciate and love our friendship, why, why lie? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to. No, I he, mean, he, he, the, the friends that we've become, even if it's like, man, I got fucked up last night, you know, I don't know this. We haven't been through this conversation, but I would imagine be like, ah, I understand, man. But you know, you know what to do, kind of deal. Yeah. No, no judgment. Right. So, um, I think mo- I think most people, not even that they're trying to lie to me or lie to people, they're st- they're trying to lie to themselves. Yeah. It's almost like when they're lying to me, they're trying to convince themselves that right. it wasn't this or you know what I mean. It didn't, I know this, but this was going on. The only stuff time like I that. would lie, and I hated this because my mother used to do this and make my dad want to bite nails. Um is that if I was drinking or if I was drunk and you get the, are you drinking? No. Well, and I try to explain to Brooke, I'm like, <coughs> because it's a dodging confrontation or it's just as simple like a kid. I'm caught red-handed. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Yeah. I don't lie. I'm a fucking grown man. Right. But, but that's the only time. And it doesn't make it okay. But I noticed this. Like, why didn't you just fucking own it? Right, you're so tough and cool. These were the things in my say. You right. think you're so fucking cool, tough, t- tough grown men own up to their shit. Yeah, exactly. And so this is what my psyche became for like three years. I hated myself, like hated. Mm-hmm. Even when I got past, so I took Burke and the boys to Rio to let them ski. And since my back's messed up, I I don't ski anymore or snowboard. So I dropped them off, and we got a, a cabin on the side of the hill that overlooks the town. It was beautiful, and I sat out there literally with a glass of wine and was like, but I was coming out of my bitterness of, of music. Mm-hmm. And I literally sat on this deck and it was gorgeous. And I said, God do with me what you will. If I'm done with music, let's just sit here and hang. And within 10 minutes, I wrote a song called, um, Oh, it's so good. I can't remember. Uh, the whiskey ain't working. And I'm like, I'm back. And so I just started writing music again. Ignoring everything else, but the love of music was back because I found a great agent, <clears throat> a good management company that understood my situation. And we all, and I'd kind of restarted, you know, playing my guitar more and getting more involved in the shows. And so when we went to Rio Dosa, that was me to like, it's now or never. And I did. And I'm like, okay, cool. And everything's been beautiful, beautiful since then. 
But back to the alcohol, man, it was just like like you said, I could go, and you would not. Now I do throw my disclaimer. I told you, I, sometimes I go to Oak Hill, why? Mm-hmm. But other times you nailed it. Like I'm either just like I oh, don't feel like working out, right? Don't feel that great, or just lazy, just yeah. late. Like I think about it now, the amount of time that I'll sit out and feed the baseball tea to my boys versus the amount of time, like the the time that we'd spend out there if I was either tipsy or hungover is astronomical. Mm-hmm. And I try to hate myself now thinking back, but I'm like, nope, that chapter's gone. It's a stone wall. And I got that from my father. I could fuck up huge. And once I make it right, it's it never happened. Right. Like we're moving on. And, but I, I but I give that back to people too. Why friends, everything we fix a situation. We don't have to discuss it anymore. Yeah. It's in the past. When, when you said earlier about, like, when you were done, you, like, knew you were done. You're like, that's it. In the in the recovery community, unfortunately, that's, like, to a lot of people, they would look at that as, like, a red flag because you can never say that or whatever. But, like, I will tell you, the when I was done, I knew I was done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And anybody can argue that with me or whatever, but it was a... I just knew it. it was like, I'm, I'm done with this shit. I've found something else that I'm passionate about. I know where I want to put my energy and there's, there's nothing or nobody that's going to come into my life that could get me to ever go back to that. I'm right. so happy and blessed with everything I'm doing in life now. We're like, that's, that's the new drug in a way, you know it what is. I mean? And I'm not giving that up for, for anybody. So I get exactly, I get yeah, exactly. I would what hate myself for, for feeling like I do lack of energy then I start working out, and I would even tell Brooke, like, man, the way I feel right now, drenched, is better than any fucking buzz. Right. And then I'd go back to the buzzes. Yeah. And then I would hate myself because of that. Like, I just had so much self-hatred. And still holding on to that whole financial debacle, that dark period, the just, like, terrified, leery, never will ever get back there again. Um, and so... Then I tapered off a little bit to just be a normal human, normal mm-hmm. drinker. Like, go out and have some drinks, come home, I'll miss anything again. May drink at a show, may not. And then we have we go on a tour that's a lot of fun, so we're drinking every night. So then I come home, and I'm like, I'm bored. And they used that I learned this in, um, you know, obviously, it's I don't know where I learned it, but I remember it from Tucson. But um, the devil loves an idle mind, and that was the thing. Things got back to good, and so I have these would have these days at home off the road where I don't have anything to do, nothing until five o'clock today. Right, the boys are at school. Brooks gonna pick them up. Everything's situated. Well, heaven forbid you just get a, your guitar and practice at your your craft yeah. or or pen and paper. It's like <clears throat> well, I wrote yesterday. I'm good, and so boom, let's go drink. And I don't know, man, then I hate myself for that. And I think I had a really, really good friend. We were writing a song, and we got to talking on similar topics plus others. And he just really stressed the importance that he felt of of seeing a therapist and talking to a neutral party and just being honest. And so I started seeing this lady probably about seven or eight months ago. And all that, like she was diffusing all that self-hatred but understanding where it was coming from, giving me good tools and things to work with for myself because I always, I tell her, 
if I'm hidden, then our hierarchy of our family is hidden. If I'm a dud, well, at least Brooke's usually hitting, mm-hmm. you know, nine and a half out of ten days. And the family's good. I'm just the rotten apple in the middle, just going through the motions. Right. And I'm a really good dad because it's the only thing I put 100% in. But I could be better. Because mm-hmm. I know I wasn't 100%. Maybe I was 85 to 90. Yeah. But that last 10 is big in my house with yeah. me. And so, um, I don't know, man. Just, you know, a couple months ago, drank all the way to the show with my guitar player. And we, we have fun. We're bros. And, you know, he knows he doesn't see my drinking and using alcohol as a problem like I do. We're just buds having a good time. Yeah. Then we get to sound check. It's 107 million degrees outdoor. And there's a problem. And I'm sitting on the stage like this, starting to feel like shit. And I'm just like, well, it, that whole cycle of what are you doing, man? What in the fuck is wrong with you? You're better than this. You come from better than this. Your wife looks at you better than this. Your children think that you're flawless. And like in my prayers would always be, you know, Lord, just please never let my children have my faults mm-hmm. or know what I've been doing. Yeah. Like if we could just bypass that so it's never in their 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 heads consciously. Right. And um just had that same fucking broken record going through my head. And I'm like, that's it. I'm fucking done, man. And these last upper 60s, 70-ish days, I mean, I got a long ways to go. I'm not putting the cart in front of the horse. But it has been so fucking easy. And I'm not saying that as a shot to anybody across the bow. But I know the struggle. Like, I'm two and a half months in, I'm still leery of saying, of, of putting it out there that I will never drink again. Yeah. But then when I'm in my, my headspace and I'm thinking, I'm like, well, you kind of never want to drink again. Mm-hmm. I guess I leave that loose end, loose end open because I don't want to let myself, God, or anyone else down because of so many broken promises. Yeah. But, man, I, I that was a Saturday. Took the Sunday to drive home and hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And August 17th, I hit the Y, and I've been there four to five days every week since. <laughs> Even worked out on vacation. Um, that's big dude that's when most people most people fall off and then like I told you uh, even did sprints and nobody was chasing me right you know I've even added those by my own mind and I'm just happy I'm, I'm happy right. I'm very happy I, I told my doctor about three weeks ago four weeks ago I said you ever just fucking happy just like a nerdy little kid in my truck by myself just looking at the clouds and talking to God in traffic like I'm just fucking happy Thank right. you. Well, dude, think, think about this. And I'm sure you realize this, but you're not putting poison into your body. Right. You're going to the gym four to five days a week, which hopefully is making you eat healthier and stuff like that. And you're being the 100% dad that you've wanted to be. No wonder you're happy, right? Exactly. And I, I that's the new marquee of my brain that flips and flips and flips. Yeah. Because like I said, you know, I have a, a stoned memory, like stonewalled memory. What I did 71 days ago and back, I don't care. Brooke is happy. She didn't ditch me. The kids didn't know any different. You know, kids are very intelligent. I'm sure yeah. they knew something was up. 
but I'm also just joking, oh, funny dad. So right. it, it was probably played off really well. Did damage control, and I'm just, again, selfishly speaking, just such in a good fucking spot. And, like, I always tell, when I walk in the gas station, I'll see those little wine, or even, they got to the big bottles mm-hmm. sometimes. And I mean, like, gone before leaving the gas station. And I'll cringe. Like, I'll literally, like, Whoa. Yeah. And, and I'll be like, hey, I'll take it all day, big dog. If that's, if you'll keep that in me, yeah, I will take getting grossed out. Um, Dude, I see people shoot up on movies and TV shows and stuff like that, and I, I can't look at it's it. It's cringeworthy. Yeah, which it used to be. The best way I could describe it is it used to be. The act of that used to be sexy to me. You know it what's was, crazy? It was the only way I could describe it is it was, it was sexy to me. Mm-hmm. But now I see it. I'm just I like, understand that because in, in the meth days, you know, smoking foil mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, smoking out a little pop here and there. But I always loved snorting it because that was the most taboo. You're not supposed to do this thing. Mm. And just that whole, like, I'm doing something that I've known since I was old enough to speak is wrong. Yeah. Not supposed to do it. And that rush. And so mm-hmm. I can see I never shot anything up. I never did anything. Meth blow pills. Yeah. And, um, but I get that concept of like, it's outlaw, you know, kind of being. I don't, I don't know. Guess like sexy. Yeah. yeah. It's, you can put a million adjectives in there and yeah. it's just, I, I get that a hundred percent. But even when, even doing the wine, even when I was doing it, it was so gross. Yeah. Like I love ice cream. That's good stuff. Yeah. This is poison and it tastes like shit. Right. But give it about 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like, Make kinda, feel, I was treating it like, like smoking weed. Right. I really was. Like one off here, one off there. A few hours later, maybe another drink or shot. And um, you know, like I've explained to Brooke, there's that line, and um, there is a line in the movie "Walk the Line." Or I read a Johnny Cash quote. Anyway, you know, he most nights he would aim to hover about a foot off the ground, and sometimes he'd fly through the roof. Right. He's kind of over. Yeah. Overdo your uh, your quantity. Yeah. But uh, man, for me, more than anything. Selfishly speaking, again, I know I've said it a million times, but it was just the whole, I'm better than this. Mm -hmm. And we all are. But I can't worry about, like, what Sean does when I leave. I got to worry about what Bart does. And I got a lot of people depending upon me, from my wife to my children to my tour manager, the band, the venue that hired us, the amazing fans who work their asses off and spend their money and their time because – they given me a chance mm-hmm. or, you know, when I'm really lucky, I did something. One of my songs did something for their life, which those are the beautiful stories that I get told. And, and, uh, or of all things I was in there, you know, my song was their first dance at a wedding. You know, those are pretty flattering things. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that makes it all worthwhile seeing my boys happy showing up. And I would show up. I never, I've never let my boys down, but showing up, Fully in the moment, as Brooke says, to lunch, surprising them, right. and bring them Chick Fil A, yeah. or um, seeing every play on the baseball field, so we can talk about every play, not just the game, yeah. as a as a whole. Those are important things to me, and just like stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of hatred, and then now the the stack of proud 
self-esteem, mm-hmm. feeling good about myself, knowing that 1% better. That yeah. whole, that's my whole mantra. When I started down that on that stage, I told God, I said, I'm done. And I'm not going to do like last, like every other failed attempt. I'm not going to start going to the gym, drinking protein powder, reading my books, writing in a journal, writing, you know, an hour a week, you know, writing songs. Fuck all that. And for me, the gym and alcohol go hand in hand because the only time I won't go. I have all the time. I take the boys to school and I'm I'm free by 745 mm-hmm. till 3 o'clock. And, and like I told you earlier, the YMCA downtown in Austin is like 0.9 miles away and the Oak Hills one mile away. So it's either go to one of those or go sit on your dumb ass at home. Right. I got no excuse. Zero. Right. And I enjoy it on top of that. Yeah. Let me let me let me ask you a question mm-hmm. about. I want to kind of segue into the into the music music yep. part. You're talking about like, you know. Sorry, my I told you I can ramble. My no, story, you're good, dude. You're my good. story's like this long. No, you're good. Uh, I, I, I got questions. I know I want to. I just want to be able to get to it that because the the music music fascinates me. Like I'm Jason and I talk about music every, you know, every Friday when I'm here and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The so number one, people coming up to you saying that the you know your song was their first dance or their first kiss or anything like that. Like I know what it feels like for me that people that have seen the documentary and come up and say how it hits them. And I know mm-hmm. how important that is and stuff as a, as an artist, when you, when you're writing a song, right. Or when, maybe when you're in the studio and, and you hear it or record it for the first time, do you know, like, Oh, this is going to be a hit right here. Nope. No idea. That entire blue record proves that I don't know what I'm doing. Really? I, if it fascinates me, and I think Jason and I've talked about it before, but there's like some hip hop beats or something like that. Like I would give anything to be a fly on the wall when that beat was being made. Like just some of the iconic beats you hear in, right. in music, and like I feel like I would know. Like this is a fucking banger right here. Like I could be completely wrong, but there's just some beat. There's just some beats and songs where you're just like, oh, we got a hit here, man. I don't because I don't know what the. Uh, magical formula is right because what works for one person doesn't work for the other and i think i've said this so long that i don't even know if it's true anymore but i'm 50 percent sure that mark chestnut had recorded friends in low places please don't quote me on that but i've told i've said that long enough that i believe it okay somebody did but i think it was mark chestnut have you ever heard it no Garth Brooks recorded Friends in Low Places. You ever heard it? Yeah. So is that a remake? I I don't know past that, but it's the same song. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't want to Google. Yeah, because I could be totally wrong. So uh, don't hate on Sean or myself because my information comes from here to here. Sorry, we don't have a technical fact checker. We're just going to run with it. Uh, But, you know, I, I don't know... You take like Where Am I Ring for me personally. Yeah. As a as the person who wrote it versus Did you even identify that song as like had no clue the best one on the album? Like this if the, if one's gonna hit, this one's gonna be it. No clue whatsoever. Really? And that like I was telling you, it was about two or three years before it gained gained, ugh, gained traction. And um so it did it organically, which makes me love it. Right. Even more so. I mean, I would love it if it was a manufactured hit. If it was like, all right, here's what's popular. Let's do this. Yeah. And it worked. I would love it, but not like soulfully. You know, because to me, 
Where My Ring is not my best written song, mm-hmm. but something in it and something in the melody and something we came up with spoke to everybody. Spoke to everyone. Right. And I also attribute that in hindsight to we didn't know what we were doing. Right. But no clue. I'd never been I'd been in a studio one time for like three days before we went in and made that record over three weeks. And I didn't I didn't even know what to do in a studio. I didn't know Jack Squat. Right. So I think that is some of the love of it. And maybe why it worked, maybe not, I don't know. But um because we didn't we didn't have any preconceived notions of what we're supposed to do, what songs are supposed to sound like. I have my old song spiral from Tarleton and songs I wrote were like four verses, three choruses. It was like ten minute song. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that's not the blueprint of you know most songs. The structure of it's supposed yeah. to go. Nothing but stairway to heaven. Nothing but stairway to heaven length. Always. <laughs> every day. So friends in low places. Written in an eight, written in eighty nine by songwriters Earl Bud Lee and Dwayne Blackwell. First released by David Dwayne Chamberlain in eighty nine. Is that who you said? The no, two, I said Mark Chestnut. Well he's well. he's involved. Oh, okay. Two songwriters gave the song to, to Garth to record as a demo before the release of his first self-titled album uh, when he was relatively unknown. Uh, that was 1990. Mark Chestnut recorded the song for his second album, Two Fold at Home, the same year. Gotcha. It looks like it didn't make it as a single off of Two Fold at Home, which was recorded in 1990, released in September. Um, Can the audience hear everything you're saying? I'll re-record it. I could probably pick it up a little bit. Okay. And it's probably on this camera because this is my camera. Gotcha. Um, so it's it's very blurred lines as to when gotcha. Mark Chestnut and Garth Brooks recorded and released that. Uh, it just says uh, Garth recorded it in 1990. Not sure what month. Gotcha. March for Mark Chestnut. So very close. But you got to think about it this way too. Where's the bodies, Garth? <laughs> do, you under, do you understand the reference? Uh-uh. I just thought it was funny. Do you? No? Jason gets it. There's a, there's a comedian, uh, Tom Segura. Yeah, I know Tom. And, or I know of Tom. Right. We're not friends. So on, a, on, on his podcast, there's a... But his his fan base is... Compl- Have I not told, told you this before? Okay. I feel like we talked about it. So he started messing with Garth Brooks and saying like that he's... I remember when Garth did the documentary, Tom kept putting those... Because he looks like him. And he would talk like Garth talks. Yeah, he was so he was making fun of him, but there was a joke that he would he'd always say, Garth, where's where's the bodies at? Because that he's saying he's he looks like a murderer, he's out murdering people awesome. or whatever. And so Tom Segura's fan base have completely taken over Garth Brooks's social medias. So if you ever go look at any of Garth's posts, it's a bunch of inside jokes and like yes, that is knife awesome. knife emojis and stuff like that. <laughs> That's incredible. It's funny watching it like unravel itself on Garth's side because uh-huh. he's he's way bigger than Tom like well known and just to see he's like what is doing? <laughs> like, just yes. the confusion and then the ultimately like trying to brush it off but didn't Tom's the two of them story. finally connect when that when he was doing that no he won't he won't yeah. oh he won't he won't do it yeah dumb everybody wants I think both of them to it would probably get pretty big numbers on huge the people, but Yes, it would. He won't. I think I, both of them he's he's got. It seems like Garth Brooks has so many people insulating him mm-hmm. because he's so big, right? That it'll never like gotcha. it'll never happen because he's just him. Yeah, it's definitely on the outside. Of Could you do me the biggest favor in the world? 
The other guest has been downstairs for a half hour and I didn't realize it. And I always try to remember to tell you, like, or to check in. The uh, guy about Jason's size, um, Spanish guy with a beard. Jude. His name is Jude. He, his husband will probably be with him, I would imagine. Thank you so much. All right, where were we? My apologies. No, none needed. Um, no, I, I have no idea. When I go in the studio, like now, um, so my second record, I kind of had an idea. And it is what it is. I, I don't like the tones on it. Mm-hmm. But there were some cool songs that have stuck, and we still play off right. of it. And then um, the next one I did in Nashville, because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And still not being, I'm still not comfortable in the studio. I mean, hell, I go once every couple years. I don't know my way around a studio, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went through the dark phase, four years I didn't record anything. And I'd record it every two years on the button. And when I started working with this new producer, Nick J, I was spraying his house. And we'd known each other from bands for 10 years. And one day I just stopped. I'm like, dude, we should... Or he said, we should make some music together. I'm like, I need to. And I explained. He's like, just come out here, man. We'll just chill. We'll vibe out. And and I did that. And now I just finished my third or fourth record with him. And my only thing was, I'm not a puppet, but I'll do whatever you say. Because I'm coming to you. I wrote these songs on paper. And I'll play them for you. If you hear something different, let's go. Yeah. Uh, but if you hear my creation and you see the end product that I verbally tell you and you lead me how to get there, let's go. Yeah. It's, it's been fantastic. That's it's awesome. been a wonderful experience. Gained a great friend out of it. Hell of a musician. And um, just, I think, have made the best music. Now, it hasn't all connected with the fan base. Some does, some don't, which yeah. to be expected. But I think it's the best music that I have made in my career. Dude, that's great. And I, he just, I don't know. He just gets me. He gets my vision. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't that far, but he can take these things that I created out. You got to think about this. This is how I think about songwriting all the time. I'm coming up with something from my head hard or out of my ass that has never existed before. Yeah. And it's not tangible. It just, I just bleed it out. Yeah in a room somewhere or in a parking lot somewhere or something. And then to bring it to life, I think that's my biggest thrill because studio is kind of tedious. You know, you lay down the music and you come back and do all this stuff. But when it comes to life, that first time you're like, all right, let's go inside and listen to playback and see if I like what the drums are doing or the bass or guitar or organ. And you hear it. It's like that very first time that something I've only heard, with me and an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. but you're hearing it with a band yeah. out of professional speakers, you know, it's just like, it happened. It's happening. Right. Like, this is real. It's like making out your first time. It's like, I did it. Right. And so it's really cool. And of course I want all of them. Everybody that records, I want everybody to have hits. Mm-hmm. But out of, my, out of my head, heart, and ass should be the that's dope. <laughs> it, should, it should be the title for all of them, volume one through nine. Um, but that's when it's magical. When you really, really, and it took me a long time because oh, I just wanted to be a popular band. I just want everybody to know my songs. 
because everything else will trickle from that. My financial stability will be good. I don't want to be, I don't want to be famous to be famous. I want to be known because, man, that guy writes some good songs. Or, man, that really speaks to me. Or, that was our first dance. All those beautiful things that, I, that I'm really lucky, very lucky to get to hear occasionally. And, or, somebody came and said, man, I had a shitty week and I just had the best time tonight. Thank you. That's the stuff. That's the rewarding th- stuff. And if we can hit those buttons, you know, life stability... All that stuff will take care of itself. I used right. to always say from the day I started, if I can put butts in the seats, everything else will ha- will take care of itself. Right. You know, from, and, and I struggle with this now, 21 years into doing this, I still struggle with art equating money. And I used to not. And it was back to like, you know, I was single, mm-hmm. till I was married. But once you become a dad and every nickel has to make sense, my wife and I struggle with this a lot, daily, if you will. Um, that art, something we're gifted with, that we tapped into and find, equates to monetary means to survive. And it's a shitty thing when you're an independent artist because I just want to create. Right. She wants to do her photography, wardrobe, set design, her mosaic art, her uh, mixed media art, her paintings. But it costs money to do that. Yeah. And... It costs money to live. It costs money to eat, to drive. So it has to be. It's just like that one thing that's like, ah, it sucks so bad because we could just be artistic and creative. And then um, jumping back to like what you asked about knowing if it's hit, you just never know because I don't know if, hey, tomorrow night in Midland, where I told you I was going, is my target audience going to be my age? Or are they going to be college age? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to be older than me? And everybody has a different love for stuff, you know. Yeah. Not a lot of, damn, we're not studying anymore. Let's go listen to some heartfelt breakup music to some jams. Yeah. Not all college age people want that. Not all middle age people want that. Uh, but... A lot of the more our age, my age type people seem to like if we're going to this venue or we're going to see this band, we'd love to dance. Or, hey, babe, this was our, you know, your song was our wedding song. So we want to go watch the whole show and catch our song kind of thing. So I don't know what's going to hit with one person versus the next. Right. And so I just have kind of decided that if I'm ha- if I'm happy with it, then it's okay. All right. It's okay. Love it. So I got some fun questions Bring now them for on. you. We, we talked I hope about I didn't ramble t- nah, too dude, much. You're good. You might have good. to reload the cameras, nah. put some more film in it. Put some more batteries. <laughs> no, you're good, brother. Uh, these are these are just meant to be fun. Um, you know, I, I love having people come on and tell their story. The story is what you know. It, it's what it's what people gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they know they know your story, but they may not know you. So this just gives right it just gives a little insight. I'll take the first. Yes, I do get uh, confused with Brad Pitt a lot. <laughs> it's a daily occurrence, right? Good looking guy. What can you do? It's a g- gift and a curse. When we, when he first I saw you, oh, oh. I was, but I'm so used to that happening. <laughs> so just f- th- these are all just first thing that comes to mind. Okay, all right? couple 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 word answers just so they're. Uh, I want to be quick off the top of your Bring head, it, baby. All right. I Where, took Alpha Brain this morning. Oh, let's ready. go. Oh, he's ready. Pencil oh, is sharp. Hold on. We can't. Don't take that out. We can't be plugging any products in our 
I um, took a nootropic that I really don't even know if it works, but I took it nonetheless. We'll replace it with another future sponsor. We'll just, there we I go. took a other pill this right. morning. I took a water <laughs> this morning. Who, uh, who are your inspirations today? Jesus. Jesus? Love it. What would your fight song be? If you're walking out for the heavyweight championship of the world tonight, what song gets you just ready to go? On Monday Night Raw, it would be Midnight Rider by the Allman Brothers. Ooh, okay. I've been planning that one since I was about four. Really? <laughs> yeah, I promise you That's I have. Mine, cha- mine changes day to day. Uh, favorite movie? Oh, man. Lonesome Dove. Good one. Good one. Favorite band of all time? Man, I don't have a singular answer. Um, favorite band growing up? <laughs> All I was given growing up was George Strait. <laughs> oh, okay. Which I love. I absolutely love. But right. Beatles, Stones, um, Pearl Jam. Okay. Allison Chains from 15 years old changed my life. My baby's named after Lane Staley. No shit. Um, my, uh, I'll make this really fast. I know we're under the wire. But no, go ahead. Uh, I was a freshman in high school. I was a part of this um, Columbia Music were the penny for a hundred CDs. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a music freak. Yeah. And me and two or three of my buddies, like dude moved from Little Rock to my little small town of Maypearl. He was a senior. A hundred people in the whole high school. So we all knew each other. And we gravitated to one another. And he came to school one day and he's like, take this tape and take this tape and this VHS tape. <clears throat> Go jam them on the weekend on this weekend. Keep the one you like the most. And it was Pearl Jam 10. It was the VHS was Pearl Jam Nick at Night for the uh, Even Flow video, and then Allison Chain's facelift. Pearl Jam was a little over my head. I didn't really get it mm-hmm. for my little country. You know, uh, I worked for a farm. I bailed hay. Right. So I was thirteen. So I went to the army. My it, I didn't get it, but Allison Chain something in that spoke to me. And it's been my favorite band ever since. Let's go. I used to beg my parents for the Columbia membership. <laughs> My mom had to get their attorney to write a letter because I was getting sued, but I was 14. And so there was some legality that under the age of something can't be held contractually responsible. And so it went away. We would just bring the paper every time. I already marked off what I wanted. I didn't even know a hundred bands. I was just like, okay, that sounds cool. Okay. That sounds cool. Right. I can remember you saying that. So I, I 99% all I've ever listened to is rap. Mm-hmm. But I remember I was probably in second grade and I got introduced to Metallica's Black Album. Mm-hmm. And that, like, it blew my mind. That was my first Metallica intro as well. But yeah. I was a freshman. And then and then come to find out, most Metallica fans don't like the Black Album, from what I gathered. Because that's, it, like, their they, mainstream. They sold out. They went mainstream. Well, that's, but I, for people I like that shit. People like us, they yeah. introduced me, and then I went backwards. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, Gotcha. And then Dr. J, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, like everybody. And that's when my head was like, oh, yeah. seeing this live. That's incredible. Um, we good? All right. What is your favorite show? Show. Favorite show. Yellowstone. Oh, TV show. Uh, yeah. Sopranos. Let's fucking go. Greatest <laughs> show ever. Oh, dude. See, I, I can't get my wife to watch I'm it. I'm probably around... Ten times from one to season six, episode six. Yeah, probably seen them ten times. Dude, I was just. Have you ever seen the movie The Drop? I have not. It's it's James Gandolfini's last film. Okay. And I've just showed it to a couple people recently. Tom Hardy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they trashed the movie, and I'm like, you guys are fucking crazy. This movie's awesome. 
Win-win radar, but it's great. I love it. All right. Give me, uh, so these are just, uh, just give me first thing that comes to mind when I throw this out. Texas. Austin was the first thing that came to mind, but I've got more than that. But Austin's good. Okay. Guitar. Gibson. United States of America. Freedom. The gym. Changes. Fast food. Lovely shit. <laughs> shit. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Tour. Europe. Family. Love. All right. What does, uh, la- last question. Take me inside your head. What What does it feel like when you're, when you're on stage playing music in front of a, in front of a crowd? One of the coolest highs ever. Um, unbelievable at times. Cause I wasn't ever supposed to be this. I wasn't raised from young to be a musician full time. Lucky, blessed, grateful, fun. Uh, I get to play with a group of talented musicians that are way better than me that I just watch them sometimes. I'll, I even just watch their fingers and like, fuck around. Um, everything, man. Every positive thing that you can imagine. And, and, and more so being a people person from a distance, as we discussed earlier. I really don't tell you, I grew up working hard. My parents, my dad's a ninth grade dropout. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in the bottom echelon of blue collar, barely hanging on to the blue collar, mm-hmm. almost down to white trash. Came from white trash and made mountains out of themselves. Always provided, always stayed together. So I know what hardworking people, I come from hardworking people. I am a hard worker. And when I see people show up, I'm always just like, fuck. Or when someone says, um, you are a first dance. And I and I, a lot of times when I when the, when the it's lighthearted and they're sharing it with me, I'm always like, out of all the music recorded? Are you crazy? Right. Um, it's a blessing. It's a huge blessing because it could stop like that. Yeah. And I say it just about every night. You know, you don't like the merch? Take it back. I'll give you your money back. You don't like the song? Tough. You should have listened more before you came. But your time is something I can never give you back, so I'm going to give it all to you. Right. That's beautiful. It's not always easy to do. Sometimes just just like working out, you can go mail it in. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, building framers. And you just go through the motions. Yeah. You forget to appreciate. So I'm human. I do that too. Huh? Another gig. Fuck. Going on this late. That kind of crap. Mm-hmm. But then in the moment, it's always just like, man. You know, I know how important it is whenever I take my old ass out after 7 p.m. Yeah. Like, I want to be moved and yep. changed. And I try to keep that at the forefront. Right. Miss it sometimes, I'm sure. But I got a group of guys and gals with me that pull their weight. And sometimes if I accidentally do mail it in, right. they don't. So we always just kind of lift each other up. Yeah, just know. like a good trainer, if you know any. Yep. I'm a, I mean, I'm in no one, dude. This, so this is called the I Am Redemption podcast. One one of the ways I like to wrap it up is, um, you know, I like I like people if they would to, to throw out some I, I Am statements because they've heard your story. You know, they've they've listened to some of my silly questions. They've got to know you a little bit. But if you would be so kind, if you take a look in the camera and let them know who 
you are? Um, well, first of all, I got I am tattooed on me last year. And I got it from Scripture where Jesus says, therefore, I am. For me personally, it was like when I got it preemptive, I am sober. I am love. I am loved. I am deserving of love. And I am cool. Ooh. That's my I am. Perfect, dude. What, uh, where, where can people find you? Where can they get a hold of you? What are you working on right now? Uh, my dinky website is barkcrowmusic.com. We're going to get one rebuilt, but even though I live with, for 21 years, a photographer, working on some things, we don't do cameras much around gotcha. me, but we're going to get there and get a new website. But uh, as far as the music itself, streaming anywhere, music streams online, uh, I'm sure if you dig hard enough, there's somewhere where it's not, but I know Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Amazon, Whatever else the kids are listening to this day, these days, it's supposed to be on there. SoundCloud. I'm SoundCloud. Kidding. Oh, is it really? I have no idea. All I just right. repeated it. For right. <laughs> I'm going to sound like I know what's going on. I don't know if anybody listening to this would mess with SoundCloud. but And then, um, you know, all the tour dates are on the website. I've got an Instagram page that I run. I, I dabble on the, face, the band Facebook page a little. Not much. Right. If I do, it's a post and ghost. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, no Twitter for me. I mean, there. I think there is one. I think management does it. Right. But kind of all the hot spots, really. Yeah. I've been getting kicked in the butt to get on a TikTok, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to. I have no desire. I hear you. But it is. But then the other side of my brain is like, it is the way of the world right now, and it is the world we live in. So you should probably use all the platforms. But it's like another thing. Yeah. Did you hear that I have a 12 year old, twin nine year olds, and a three year old? Right. I don't even know how I got here today. <laughs> Well, dude, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to come on today, thank brother. Thank you for the invitation. S super powerful story. Um, dude, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks, pleasure brother. for your friendship, man. I love you. Love you too, man. Keep, thank you. Keep hanging strong and doing what you're doing. I'm always here if you ever need anything. Thank you, man. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you, man. <laughs>